<laughs> All right, we start off with a laugh. Chocolate pain. Kill your true style. What's going on? Yeah. You're, you're telling Nate before the show, Chad, he should shave before he goes to the dentist? Yeah. Why? That dental hygienist is going to have to put her hands, you know, uh, she doesn't want to get poked by the, the prickly uh, stubble there. Well, first of all, you're assuming it's a she, but I'll just roll with you on that. In this, in, um, it is a she. It's always a she. It's, uh, it's, oh, all right. Listen for the you. most part. Come on. Let's, come on, D-Mac. This is kill you with truth, isn't it? Or is hey. it kill you? What hey, is you, this? You, 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 you non-progressive Neanderthals. You know, what, how do you know what the hygienist identifies at? Listen, wow. Do you want a hand this size in your mouth? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's funny because um, my dentist is Matt Mock. He was a quarterback. Hey, uh, there you he's go. He's got pretty big hands. And uh, so Tom Nalen, you know, used to be the center for the Broncos. And now he's a patient of Dr. Mock. And he's like, hey, man, used to have your hands up my ass. Now you got them in my mouth. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Do you know what time my appointment is tomorrow, though, guys? Uh, what time? 8 o'clock. 2 30. Oh, <laughs> the dad jokes. You know, you can't cram for a dental exam, they say. And so last night I was uh, trying to floss, you know, and trying to make, hey, man, I'm good. I floss. No, I don't. My gums were bleeding, but it's all good, man. Uh, every time I go to the dentist, they give me a full cavity search. It is weird. <laughs> I <laughs> well, You can just wrap it up right now if you want. I mean, it's not gonna, it's not going to get any better. It might. Let's keep going. That's all I got. I think those uh, are all the dental jokes I got. You got it. You nailed them. But, yeah. Chad, I mean, do you think any uh, lovely um, person is going to mind rubbing that gorgeous face of Nate Jackson's, Chad? I mean, uh, you're kidding me, right? You think that's going to be a problem one way or the other? Uh, I can't pretend to know what other people think. I can't. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Uh, we got like 10 years as a bachelor while he was a professional athlete to sort of uh, see what that was all about. You don't need to share everything with your wife, Nate. That's what I say. That's what Nate. Nate was one of the smart guys. If we're just going to go in this rabbit hole real quick. Oh, I wow. always had so much um, respect for Nate because he was single the entire time. He was a professional athlete. And I, I always said, that's the way to do it. I mean, that is absolutely the way to do it. Uh, I look at guys who are take a high school girlfriend to, through college and the pros and they get married at like you know, 20 and a half years old. I'm like, what are you, a moron? That's what and Chad did. What are you talking about? I got married after my rookie year. I know, yeah. but he's with the gay, the girl he met in, in college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, I got married at 25, and I met my wife when I was 19. I'm speaking from experience. It's not that I don't love my wife. I love my wife. I do love my wife. Actually, I really do love my wife. But, you know, come on. You, you didn't know? go out there and soy your royal oats, as they said in Coming to America? <laughs> I didn't take advantage of these looks and this personality <laughs> being a radio star of course in my first 10 years in radio it was like uh, uh wearing a diaper and drinking a lot of water till i peed myself being like the stunt boy for for morning show radio so i don't think that was attracted many women you know i didn't even start at the fan until i was 40 years old like wow. e everything that i'm kind of known for sort of Never even started until I was 40. There was a, you know what? I was probably lucky to get my wife. <laughs> now that you think back, now that you look back on it. Well, DMAC, there must be something we don't know about you that she really likes. I don't even get it. I mean, 
You can't I really, ag- identify anything? <laughs> not really. I mean, it's a terrible job that I chose, a horrible profession. It was uh, rife with risk in terms of moving, which we did a bunch of times. Uh, no security of employment, as we all proved uh, quite quite artfully. But Darren, and, you're, you're listing employment like right. Is there something? Isn't there remarkable about you? Yeah. No, there's nothing else. I there's nothing else interesting about me. You're funny, nothing. Darren. You, you keep thinking light. Yeah, oh, you guys are nice and saying I'm funny. And you got a huge heart. It's, Ego. It's just beating out your. I, can, I you may know. have a huge heart, but I'm telling you, I got a tiny penis, and it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, like like Dmax says, my dick may be uh, short, but it's skinny. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these hands. Look at these hands. It's a total package. All right, guys. Uh, off to a great start. Hope everybody's enjoying this show. Um, the college football playoff alignment. Okay, who wants to go first? Who understands it? Uh, I think I have a rudimentary sense of it, but uh chad you you do a ton of college football games uh you get it do you like it is, is there the, is there room for cu and csu here uh maybe not csu hopefully cu it's five and seven right it's the 12 teams and the, the five teams will be the power five conference winners and then the seven will be all the at-large bids so there's i mean with seven teams possible go ahead jumping in close, there close but not quite Okay. It's four power conferences now, which are the Big 12, Big 10, ACC, and SEC. Right. The fifth conference team rotates amongst a bunch of other conferences, including the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. So there really aren't five power conferences anymore. And the holdup was it was going to be six conference champions, then plus six. But the Pac-12 12. and the mm-hmm. Mountain West were like, hey, wait a second. I think we might like it better if uh, we go with the plus seven rather than the uh, plus six. So there really are now four power conferences that are automatic. That fifth conference could be anybody. Uh, sure. Let's 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 give everybody an opportunity here. Do they really have an opportunity? Of course they don't. Of course they don't. The, the teams at the top of college football are just so far ahead. I've talked about this so many times. When you've got these facilities that Clemson and Georgia and Alabama have, when you can feed the kids the way they do at those schools, when you can hire analysts who make $250,000, they don't even coach the kids. They're just there to analyze tape. When you have all that financial power, that equals success. So while there may be an upstart team that somehow upset somebody in the first round or two, ultimately the college national championship is always going to be won by a blue blood who has those kind of resources year in and year out. Uh, yeah. So while Cincinnati made the playoffs a couple of years ago, it was a great story. Yeah. Then they get blown out and destroyed TCU. That was a bit of a great story. Then they get destroyed in the national championship. In the end, the difference, the stark contrast and difference between a true blue blood and an upstart team is literally like $70 million in expenses every year that the upstart team just can't ever possibly catch up on. Did you just say that the analysts make six figures at those schools? Yes. Those schools? Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, don't we all – I mean, not no, don't we all, but isn't there an interest in expanding the playoff, college playoffs, and just doing away with these, like, the TurboTax Bowl and shit like that, like, that nobody cares about, right? And at this point, players aren't even playing in. There was a, It was a really bad bold season – bowl season, rather. And um, 
I think it left a, a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths. So we might, why, might as well expand it, make that the thing, and then make those the bowl games, right? Um, is that how it will work? Uh, more or less. I mean, the bowl system won't completely go away. There's enough corruption out there for everybody if you win six games. <laughs> but it, it it's a it's a way that listen, they're really if you're that 13th team or that eighth team. Um, first of all, the conference thing won't be, it'll just be on rankings. So they'll know who the fifth power conference is based on rankings already. And what, what helps here is, okay, I didn't win the conference, but I'm still Georgia. You know, I'm still, uh, uh, a strong school. It would mean that CSU would have a shot. <laughs> Theoretically, you laugh. They would have to have an amazing season. They would have to have an undefeated season. But if CSU were to have an undefeated season, their odds of actually making this five plus seven go through the roof. But you would have to have a ridiculous season like that. So it's not insane. It, but it, So it does exist. Where it didn't exist ever for CSU, actually there is a slight window. And there's definitely a window for CU. You know, Chad, there you go. I mean, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to win the Big 12. You just have to be one of the next seven teams left in the country A after five. I mean, if you're ranked 10 and you're CU, say you go, I don't know, Chad, 11 and two, something like that, you still got a shot. You still got a shot, but I still think the eventual college football landscape is going to be one power conference up to, oh, I'm sorry, two power conferences up top that will be the tier one national championship because it's a level playing field. Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, uh, Alabama, Georgia, these schools, they compete up at that in that tier one national championship. So that's all schools who have tons of money and resources, all schools who can afford the analyst, all schools who can afford to pay the kids a ton of money and NIL dollars. And that's the tier one. And then for the CUs and CSUs, they can compete for the tier two national championship. And that's fine. You can still win your level of national championship. You think North Dakota State wasn't geeked when they won their national championships at a lower level of football? They were incredibly proud of what they were able to do. And there was no way they were going to be able to do that and match that level of success at the upper levels. So why not make a level playing field that it's based upon revenue, it's based upon the dollars, not geography, not old school conference ties, but purely based on where you are as a program. There is no reason why Rutgers should be in, in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? They, they can't compete. Vanderbilt can't compete in the SEC. So let's kick them out. Let's put teams in there that can actually compete from a dollars perspective. They have a, a true chance of winning the conference that's the way to go. Now, it may differ in other sports, but in football, in my mind, this is the way that it has to evolve to in order to have a true level playing field. Well, yeah, if you do that, though, then you're not leaving room for the mercurial, uh, charismatic Hall of Fame coach to come in and galvanize his troops with, do you believe now? And if he can get them going, what a special story it would be to get CU undefeated and play in Ohio State or Michigan in the championship, where would CU fall in this in this tiered league? Okay, I see them falling in tier two. And then if you, we would go to the European soccer model of relegation, where mm -hmm. if you are in tier one and you're a bottom finisher, you get kicked out. And then teams up in tier two, they get a chance to jump up. Okay, CU, you ready to compete with the big boys? And then let's go up and see what you got up there. 
So there's a, there's an opportunity for the Disney-esque story that you're talking about, but it also pays attention to the harsh, stark financial realities mm-hmm. of college football that Vanderbilt is not going to beat Georgia and Alabama in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Rutgers is not going to beat Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten. But if you somehow want to spend some money, you want to invest in your program, you got a very ambitious athletic director who wants to make it all happen. Well, there's a path to that if that's what you want to go for. Uh, but I would imagine most of those teams that get a chance to jump up don't jump up and suddenly meet success. They probably get kicked right back down a year or two later. The well, idea. Chad, let me can, oh, can I ask Chad yeah. this? So if CU were to do what you just said, uh, jump up to tier one after a storybook season do you, and, and Dion were to stay around, do you see CU being able to be a school that had the resources of Michigan, Ohio State and was basically be able to create that kind of a program with the analysts who make six figures with the with the facilities? I know they have great facilities already, but would they be able to keep pace money wise if they were able to build something under Coach Prime? That is a good question. I, I mean, certainly the 160 plus million dollars that Coach Prime bought into Boulder and the University last year, I think, would help. No doubt about that. Can that be sustained? Can that be continued? And then that's just one piece of it. that's the school piece of it. But ne- the next piece is the NIL dollars. Are there enough big money boosters in Boulder and Colorado to make that happen? The parking lot at the University of Texas looks like a freaking car show. Those kids are driving Lambos and Bentleys and Mercedes Benz. So can CU compete with that from a NIL dollars perspective? Is there a moneyed or a group of moneyed car dealers in Colorado who are willing to invest in the CU program in that way? In Texas, they are. There's no doubt about that. There's massive oil money. I met a guy at a event who's one of the biggest boosters for Texas A&M. He is building a buffalo farm. He's also building a whiskey distillery. His name is on the practice facility at Texas A&M. He gives tens of millions of dollars to the program every single year. I don't think there's four or five or 10 people in Boulder or, or Colorado who are willing to do that for the CU program. I would love if that were the case, but that's what we're up against. That's what we're competing against, people who have an extra couple hundred million dollars to invest into a college football program. <coughs> Chad Brown. In Colorado. <laughs> uh, shipping does well, but I don't do that well. So, yeah, I mean, that's just shipping the, the wrong shit. That's uh, why. Uh, probably. That's just the harsh reality of it. I love CU. I want them to meet all the success possible. But when you look around the college football landscape, that's what you're up against. It's always awesome to have my uh, soon to be 24 year old son even want to consider talking to me never mind coming back to his house that we're trying to sell and destroy all of his childhood dreams but he did the other day and he as it's well documented i well if you don't know went to arizona state not cu and he loved his time in arizona but he moved back to colorado there you go colorado we rule that being said his love for asu is unreal and i love that about him to have a love of your college i think is awesome. My younger son's bounced around, and I don't know if he's ever going to have loyalty, but that's the path right now of a lot of college athletes, guys, if you don't know. I mean, hardly any of these college athletes stay at one school. You know about the stars, of course, but even the stars sometimes bounce around, Jaden Daniels or Shadur Sanders. So his loyalty to college ain't there. My older son revealed he gives $100 a month to the ASU NIL Fund. I was flabbergasted. First of all, 
pretty damn proud that my kid could actually afford that. I'm like, look at him. Like, really? Seriously? Um, but then it was like to this conversation, a harsh reality of like, damn, this is the landscape. And while it might be naive for me to not realize, well, this already existed. I never thought of it on that kind of lower type of level, but that's what is going on. So my son is kicking in money for what the kicker. I don't know. And I don't know really where it's going. I just was amazed that this is actually happening. Nate, good thing or bad thing for college sports? Uh, I think it's horrible. I mean, but it's it's we're already down this road. We've been down this road for a while. College college sports are supposed to be amateur sports. It's supposed to be where kids can go be kids and and uh, and and be around other kids and go to school and play sports that they love and get ready for the real world. Most of these kids are not going to play professional sports. However, I guess it's good that you know the ones that aren't are making a little bit of money and that could set them up for the next phase in their life. But then they focus on the sports only, you know, and they and they don't focus on the other parts of their life that they're going to have to facilitate to make money like like this sports window is very small and to me it should be about the joy of the game playing with your buddies um being in class when you know chasing girls and chasing guys if you're a girl or if you like guys whatever uh you know we're killing you with politically correctness here um uh, political correctness um but yeah man no i i don't like it but but i went to a d3 school there was no money around and it was the best experience i ever had playing football i played in the nfl six years the most fun i ever had playing football was at menlo college in atherton california d3 with my buddies where there was no boosters there was no tv contracts we, we you know our practice facilities were shit but it was about the love of the game. And so that's what I want for these guys uh, and girls. And it's sad that I think it's being tainted by money. Uh, <laughs> the, the money that your son is giving right now, I don't think he's going to suddenly didn't get, start giving $100 to the school as well. I think a person makes a choice. It's either they give to the NIL fund or they give to the school. So I'm not sure if this is a, an expanded pool of money. I just think the money is now divided as opposed to it once all went to the school unless you were doing something illegal like some of those old programs back in the day. So the, 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 the pool of money is now the same, but now it's being split. So some of these schools are actually having a bit of a budget crisis. Some of these uh, schools who are trying to compete with the big boys because the dollars are now split between the players and the school itself. Do I think players should be paid? I do. You are an employee of the university, you bring in tons of money to the university. When I was at CU and I would walk into the Dow Ward Center that was built after our national championship, I was like, okay, this is really cool. But there was a part of me that was like, what about mine? Yes, I built this. I was, I made that national championship happen. And I'm just as broke as I was before. I still struggle to buy a pizza on a Friday night, much less a six pack of beer. So there's got to be some inequities. There is some inequities in that. And I saw kids walking around campus in 34 jerseys. And I'm like, that's my number. They're wearing that not because of somebody else, but because of what I did on the football field. And I get no benefit from that. So I hear what Nate's saying. And I respect the, the purity of it all. But I also think if you are bringing in money to the school, there needs to be something there for you. Is NIL the way to go in the future? I don't think so. There's got to be a more of a salary type situation where everybody in the locker room is getting something that while we don't have the clear halves, the Shadour Sanders, who's got a 
Rolls-Royce SUV parked in front of the football facility, a $450,000 SUV, and there's kids in the locker room who don't get a single dollar. Yeah. There's got to be a, a more salary type of situation. And if you're a Shador in the Sanders family, because you do ads and all that, yes, you can get yours, but there just can't be clear haves and a ton of have-nots. We've got to have everybody participating in this all across the program. So I think this thing is going to continue to evolve. There'll be some standards put in place. There'll be some conference standards put in place. Uh, states will have to allow teams that uh, are subjected to employment rules and things like that, that differ from state to state within a single conference, a level playing the field. There's a lot of reform that's got to happen in college football. You know, we hey, had absurd you. moments where um, the Sanders kids go, dad, you're such a good dad. They're college students. We bought you this mansion, Yellowstone 2, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's weird. like, it, it was so, so weird. weird. So, it is. Is well, it not weird? Uh, it, it's beyond weird. And so while I am all for players getting paid too, the disparity between the haves and have-nots is, is kind of wild. But, but I suppose this is, Nate, what you're going to get. And frankly, what Chad is saying about a Tier 1 and Tier 2 system, I think it's inevitable. And I do think promotion and relegation is a cool idea, but let's face it. If we get tier one, tier two, we are just talking about a professional league, the end. That's it. Then you're going to have to bring on salary caps and stuff like that, or it's going to become baseball where you really only have five or six teams every single year, Nate, that'll ever be able to compete for anything. So much to unpack there, number one. Yeah, it's weird that that Shadur and, and Shiloh bought their dad a mansion while they're in college. Typically, that's supposed to be after you make it, right? When you make it, you buy mom and dad a house. I'm waiting for it. My kid's giving 100 bucks to ASU. I mean, how about bring some of the love here? That's a, that's a fair comment there. Um, but um, so, so for Shadur, he's made it. You know, in his mind, they've made it yes. in, in a way, yes. which is which is concerning to me. And it's probably really surreal for Dion as well. And he probably has a little bit of reticence as well, accepting a mansion from his yes. son who's still in college and still has yes. a lot to prove. In yes. fact, only won four out of 12 games last year. And so now we're going to celebrate. No, we shouldn't be celebrating and we shouldn't be documenting this and we shouldn't be making this a big thing, my opinion. But also, Chad just mentioned uh, – <clears throat> how you know these college kids are employees of the school and i think that's the the, the spirit that has to change if if you want to if you want to if you want to clean it up essentially like like the spirit that i was talking about i, I never felt like an employee of the school <clears throat> because we we're a small program we weren't really making any money but um but chad did and so how do you make it so these kids don't feel like employees now i, I still do think they should make some money especially if they're you know, wearing your jersey and all that, but and, and at least making enough to buy a six pack of beer and some pizza and that kind of a thing. But but taking away the spirit of that where you feel like you're working for the school instead, you should be playing the game you love and still having the time to go to class and to do the things that make you feel like a kid. What was it that made you feel like an employee, Chad? Uh, the fact that I was they were benefiting off of my labor. Uh, what I did on the football field, the university clearly benefited from, and then I was not allowed to share in in that. But did you um, consider it labor, or did you consider it like playing the sport you loved? Like, what what were your feelings about football? Did you feel like it was a job at that point? No, I loved football, and that's, I mean, I don't think you play as long. I started playing football when I was six years old. I played till I was thirty eight years old. I don't think you do that unless you love football. But just from a, you know, as a college student walking around campus and walking out of a business 101 class and learning about labor laws and things like that, 
yeah, you couldn't help but have those moments of, okay, this is the actual relationship. I may view it differently. I love being a, I came here to be a Colorado Buffalo. I came here to play football and do awesome things on that field, on Folsom Field and do all this great stuff. I didn't see myself as a employee outside of those circumstances where you go, okay, this is the actual structure that exists. Why I don't look at it through that lens. This is the structure. I work for the school. They, they have this benefit dangling in front of me, my scholarship that they can take away. And if I don't perform well enough on this field, they can do that. As we saw this last year with coach prime kind of remaking that roster up in Boulder. So it is a employee relationship, a, a I guess a business owner and an employee relationship, and you are a laborer of some sorts. Um, and so because of that relationship, because of the clear benefit the school makes, the players need to participate in that. Wow. Well, great conversation as always with you guys. And uh, I think it's inevitable. And, and if you want motivation to win, that's going to be rough to impress upon people that already think they have. If you've already think you've won the race and you're wearing the medal, it's tough to get to that starting line again. And I do think prime is of, of our generation, not of the kids generation, no matter what, you know, he wants to do. And I do think his kids feel like they've won because why they have, they, they already have kind of one life and they don't really need a Super Bowl ring. So I'll assume that's a, a big deal or a national championship. But when you're driving around in a Maybach buying your dad mansions, I guess looking at that like sixth win is, you know, ancillary to success. Chad, I to put it. Chad, if you were, um, you know, an eight year veteran in the NFL and uh, Shadur Sanders came into the league after the type of college career he's had and he's under center in week one, what would you have for him? What would kind of like what, what would you want to give him and show him and what kind of shit would you be talking to him? Oh. This, is, this is a grown man league, son. I don't care what you did in Boulder. This is a grown man league. Yes, while you were figuring out how to put another diamond into a watch, you know, I'm paying for my kids' private school tuition. I'm, you know, I'm doing things that you just aren't even thinking about. I'm a grown ass man, son. And you're about to find out how grown I am. I'm about to show you that I am a trained assassin while you were partying with girls up on the hill. I've been working on my assassin skills. This is the reason why I wear black gloves, because that's what assassins do. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, so so basically, he, he's, he's you know, there's going to be a lot of guys uh, coming for him. He's going to have a target on his back. This is what this kind of stuff does. You know, you, you, oh. you know, you're not you're not walking softly and carrying a big stick. You're, you're walking real loud. And we don't know how big your stick is yet. <laughs> well, and that goes full circle. <laughs> it's a small stick, but it's a big mouth. <laughs> to kill you a truth. 